0: Welcome to CII Radio. My name is Bobby Seals and I'm Communications Executive of the Chartered Insurance Institute. In this episode, I'll be talking to Steve Jenkins and Peter Stadham. In this episode of the podcast, we are talking about the Chartered Insurance Underwriting Agent title, which was launched earlier this year in collaboration with the Managing General Agents Association. We are joined by Steve Jenkins, Executive Director of the Chartered Insurance Institute, and Peter Staddon, Managing Director of the Managing General Agents Association. To find out more about this podcast and for useful links, go to thejournal.cii.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Here is our conversation with Steve and Peter. (laughs) Hello, Steve and Peter. Thank you for joining us on CII Radio today.
1: Hi there. Pleased to meet you. Hello.
0: Very happy to have you both here. So, Steve, if we can start with you, could you tell our listeners a little bit about why we launched the charter title?
1: Yes, we're delighted to expand the uh, number of corporate charter titles that we have. And for many people, they'll be familiar with the fact that the broking title and the insurer title have now been in place for over 10 years. But Over recent years, it's quite clear that the the, uh, managing general agents in particular have become of increasing influence across the whole sector. And given the fact that what we are really focused on is continuing to uh, the momentum behind building a profession, it was important for us to make sure that there was a title that fitted the description of what an MGA actually does, hence Chartered Insurance Underwriting Agent. And as a consequence of that, we applied to the Privy Council and given the profile and the appetite from the MGA community for for one of these new titles, here we are.
0: Okay, great. And you mentioned about the importance of the title for MGAs there. Who else is the new title for? It is
1: predominantly the MGA sector. And you know, in a sense, because of the in increasing influence of MGAs on customer outcomes for the sector as a whole, it was clearly important that this was a gap for us to fill. You know, MGAs are quite clearly not insurance companies, and neither are they actually insurance brokers, but they do have a material impact on the end customer experience. And um, many of the products that are designed in the sector today ha- are influenced by the input of MGAs. So as we develop the profession further, it's absolutely key that there's a chartered title for MGAs, particularly given the fact that MGAs were saying to us that they wanted something that fitted their requirements.
0: And Peter, join on what Steve just spoke about there, what is the importance of the title for the MGA sector?
2: I think the importance of the title is to give market recognition of what MGAs do and what they bring to the market, as well as UK economy. MGA's, of course, are writing approximately £10 billion gross written premium. I think this new title clarifies their importance. It clarifies their skills and their knowledge and also that importance in the market.
0: Okay, great. Sounds like there's lots of benefits there. Peter, how has the MGA market received the new charter title?
2: From the discussions I've had with a number of our members, they've actually received it very, very well. I think, you know, acknowledging what they are trying to achieve in the market. And certainly from my discussions that I've had with them, the MGA's are looking at this to take advantage of this particular title to acknowledge their importance in the market. And that importance
1: is growing year on year.
0: Okay, great. And Steve, um, what has the reception been like among the general insurance market?
1: Well. Very, very positive indeed. You know, it's it's clear from talking to insurers and, and to brokers that they see MGAs very much part of the fabric of the overall profession and been very supportive of our desire to secure a title specifically for MGAs. Whilst individual organizations play a particular part in the sector, you know, in in a sense, it's the world of insurance that we're trying to drive standards up in and, and this plays a you know, an important part. When you look at the way in which other professions have evolved over the years, you look at uh, the accountancy profession, you look at the legal profession, you know, where chartered titles have been front and center for a long time, you know, it's partly because the entire sector is covered. And more recently, you've seen the way in which the engineering sector has has changed public perceptions from what previously would have been perceived as a trade to what is now clearly seen as a profession, with civil engineers, mechanical engineers, and chemical engineers, and structural engineers all being part of that. It's the same philosophy. MGAs are front and centre of the insurance sector and need to be able to make a public statement of what they stand for through this charter title.
2: Bobby, if I may jump in here as well, when we talk about the general insurance, we need just to clarify what we're talking about. From the research that the MGAA have carried out, we know our members are writing the usual suspects, professional indemnity, liability, property owners, but they're doing other things such as motor, commercial, personal lines, taxes, right the way down to renewable energies. Steve rightly pointed out that there's been discussions with the Privy Council. One of the questions that the Privy Council wanted to know was, well, is there a public need? We know that our members are writing in excess of 16 million consumer policies. So you can see there's a real importance and the MGAs are playing a major part within the UK insurance economy.
0: Okay, great. Thanks for that, Peter. And um, Steve, you spoke about the importance of the title for MGAs earlier. What are the benefits for individuals and businesses of obtaining a chartered title?
1: Well, I think there's some common benefits for both individuals and and businesses. Ostensibly, it will send a message to stakeholders, by that I mean clients, the public, and in the case of businesses, uh, importantly, their staff, about what that organisation or individual stands for. That's what committing to chartered status is, it's a public declaration of professional standards. In a sense, whether you're an individual or a business, what you're doing is you're inviting scrutiny on yourself. You're confident and proud enough about what you stand for to invite that scrutiny in terms of the knowledge that you've invested in for yourself or for your staff, the focus that you have on the end customer, and broader issues such as your commitment to developing other people, and, and indeed your commitment to to broader concepts such as diversity and inclusion as well. So the benefits really is that I believe that Chartered Status raises people's status in the eyes of their, of their stakeholders and, and basically says something about what they stand for.
0: Okay, great. And um, what are the criteria for individuals or businesses to hold the charter title? Steve, if I come to you first.
1: Well, I'll focus on businesses. Uh, as, uh, Peter may well want to comment on, on individuals, particularly in terms of the education focus of that. But in terms of prospective chartered businesses, businesses need to evidence a certain level of qualified staff at leadership team level, first and foremost, including evidencing an individually qualified chartered individual on the main board or leadership team. And they need to also evidence a significant commitment to professional qualifications within their staff quota as well. That evidence is knowledge. Separately, uh, but equally importantly, businesses need to commit 90% of their customer-facing staff to professional body membership with the CII. And the reason for that is that that binds the entire organization together, and it commits every individual within that 90% to the CII's code of ethics and to a formalized program of relevant CPD. So in a sense, you've then got the fabric of the organization evidencing its knowledge, evidencing its commitment to ethical standards and evidencing its commitment to keeping up to date. And that's kind of what you expect when you think about it from a doctor, from a lawyer, from an accountant, from a surveyor, from, you know, from a professional, and, and uh, in a sense, uh, similar concept that we're talking about here.
0: And Peter, can you tell us a bit about the criteria for individuals for obtaining a charter title?
2: Yes, indeed. The, the individuals themselves normally have to hold an advanced diploma, ACII, FCII. There may be some of them out there, exactly like I was. I had the Chartered Insurance Practitioner, which really, I don't think, reflected what I did. So I was very honoured when I was asked or invited by the CII to change my title to Chartered Insurance Underwriting Agent. And I would actually suggest that those MGAs out there do likewise. But if they've got that advanced diploma then, and they don't have the chartered, then do so. Take that chartered status. And Steve's right, it will improve the CPD, it will improve the education because to be honest with you, we learn things every day and that's absolutely right. And we should take advantage of this diploma to show to our peers that we professionally are in a position to actually mark down in the sand what we achieve, what we believe in, and prove our ethical content. So there's a great opportunity here to actually take that criteria, embrace it, and actually become chartered.
0: Okay, great. And um, where can our listeners go to find out more about the title?
1: Well, there's a, there's a chartered section on the, C, on the main CII website, and uh, I believe that the link will be shown at the, uh, at the end of this particular podcast. And certainly, again, if I can jump in again here...
2: Uh, Bobby, and if you go onto the NGAA website, ngaa.co.uk, there is a particular lozenge with regard to chartered, and it shows you what you can do, what you need to achieve, and how you can actually elect to become chartered. But in addition, we have met beginning of March with Steve and uh, Sean Fisher, and we actually held a podcast that talks in more detail. About the chartered status, what are the expectations, what are the obligations, and how people can actually go on and achieve this particular status.
0: Okay, great. Thank you, Stephen Peter, for speaking with us today. I'm sure our listeners will find this information extremely useful.
2: Thanks very much indeed. My pleasure.
0: To find out more about the CII's chartered status, visit cii.co.uk forward slash chartered. Thank you for listening to this episode of CII Radio. To find out more, visit thejournal.cii.co.uk forward slash podcasts or follow us on Twitter at CII Group. Until next time, stay safe and thank you for listening to CII Radio.